0: The Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the ninth chapter. You, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Jesus said to him, "Follow me." So Matthew got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner at the house, many tax collectors and sinners came where, came and were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While Jesus was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples, and then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at Jesus. But when the crowd had been put outside, Jesus went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to the Lord I invite you all to be seated. So, just so there's there's no question I'm doing something that I think I've only done once before. I have a manuscript, and it's because when I felt like I wanted to say something important a few weeks ago, I took 25 minutes. I will not do that today, I promise. But just in case you see me looking down more than I normally do, that's why. Now, this is a sermon about stories. In December 2020, now that was a month to talk about. I was concluding an interim at the Lutheran Church of our Redeemer in Foxborough. I have a feeling y'all might be familiar with that town for one reason or another around here. And I was working full-time as a hospice chaplain in Fall River and preparing to begin my call as pastor here at St. John. On Christmas Eve, I got to lead four services, two in Foxborough and two here, and then I drove all night so that I could spend spend the rest of Christmas with my family down in South Carolina. It was a hard moment because I began my time in Foxborough as a supply preacher in November 2019. Their pastor began a medical leave in an effort to recover from an illness that he'd been fighting for over two long years, an illness that the congregation had walked with him through. And as irascible as that man could be, those people loved him even when they didn't all always like him. Imagine. After about two weeks, the medical leave became a medical retirement, and then the summer of 2020, he died. And that funeral was something to tell stories about. It wasn't just a funeral for an old pastor, even though in my experience, and St. John does very well in this regard, in my experience, this was a funeral for a pastor who was still teaching confirmation, preaching, visiting the sick, and tending his flock, even in failing health, until only a very short six months earlier. For those months... We'll be telling stories about those months for the rest of our lives. Because just after Ash Wednesday 2020, the world ended for all of us. Now, I know that sounds dramatic to say that the world ended. And honestly, if I told past Eric in that moment that the world has just ended, I'd have probably laughed and said, What? It's going to be a couple weeks, a month, tops. How long do you think this could really last? How long could the end of the world really last? Well, a lot longer than we think, apparently. It wasn't hard to leave Foxborough, but it was hard to leave those people in that pandemic foxhole who welcomed my family in a moment when we were still reeling and grieving and adjusting to life after a move from South Carolina to have our great adventure. And it was hard to leave those people in that pandemic foxhole who I nurtured and came to love when they were still reeling and grieving and adjusting to their most recent loss in their great adventure. But I remember reading the paperwork for St. John. And I remember around July or August, whenever the interviews began, having the interviews over Zoom and the utter awkwardness of trying to preach a sermon for the call committee over Zoom from the side room of my house. And I remember realizing that I was once again following Larry Wolf, and nearly fell out of my chair laughing at the fact that I'd been doing that in one way or another my entire career. I, uh, this isn't in the, in the manuscript, but for those of you all who haven't heard the story, when I was a pastor in Lexington, South Carolina, that was near where Larry grew up, and so people would say, are you related to Larry Wolf?" Often enough that I came up with the response, no, we're from the branch of the family who knows how to spell Because he spelled it with two F's and I spell mine with one. Okay, back to it. And I remember telling Lauren that there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that St. John is a place where we'll tell some amazing stories. I met this congregation in earnest for the first time on Christmas Eve 2020. For the first time since Ash Wednesday. March, y'all. The congregation gathered in worship in person. We stood in the parking lot. And I described the order of worship in this way. What we're going to do is pray, read scripture for the Christmas story. I'll probably say something. We'll pray again. And then we're going to sing Silent Night by Candlelight. And we're going to do it at noon and at 7. And that's what we did. And I, I think most of us cried in the parking lot that day because it was the first time a lot of people had seen each other since March. That's one heck of a story. It's a story of faithful resilience It's a story of courage in the face of fear. It's a story of God's people called to practice hope in the face of the the literally unknown future when every week when we saw the infection and death rates, again, our world ended again. And as odd as our pandemic praxis was, in many ways my arrival was kind of mundane. I arrived to a congregation that does what every congregation does. People told stories about old fins and the old building in Maynard, and talked about who who the oldest member is or isn't. We had meetings and worship. We talked about budget and programming. I performed funerals and tried to navigate visiting the sick. Most importantly of all, we talked about what it meant to be St. John while the world was ending around us again and again, week after week. There are lots of stories to tell about that, I promise. Now, I didn't get to meet Otto Cornelius or Jenny Jenny Soderling, or Ken Layton or Pastor Hoyer or even Pastor Wolf in person. I wasn't here for those times when the softball team was playing or when we had a hundred kids in Sunday school. Those are wonderful stories to tell too. And it's great to recall what happened back when, when for many of our more seasoned members, life was really on the upswing as they were raising their families and working their jobs and grew close to people at St. John, who they still tell stories with some 40 years later. Now, what I have to say next, in light of this, is going to be hard. That St. John and the world it inhabited ended shortly after Ash Wednesday in 2020. But people of God, I am not exaggerating when I tell you that June 2023 is a month that will tell stories about too. We've been grieving for a world that feels like a lifetime ago for these last two and a half years, and on June 3rd, Pastor Larry Wolf gave St. John a final gift, a funeral. And it's true, we commemorated his life and the ministry with so many saints, past and present. I love that story. But it feels so much more profound than saying goodbye to Larry. It feels like we were saying bye to a past from which we've been forever disconnected, No matter how dearly we hold those days in our heart when we could grumble about the germs passed along by shaking hands without fear and trembling. June 2023 is a month when we'll tell stories about it because it's during this moment in this community. With these people we see around us sitting here, singing with us, praying with us, fussing with us, visiting us when we're sick, making promises to those we baptize and who share in the body broken and blood shed at the table with us, it is now, when we begin to step into the next five to ten years of this congregation's history, when we look back, we're going to have some stories to tell. What will those stories be? What, what story will you tell about yourself in the midst of this time where we have so many important things to do? I'd be lying if I say that I wasn't dying to know. Because the truth is, I believe strongly that this is the precise reason we're all here together. God called us together for these years so far and led us through the wilderness so that we could arrive here together for one of the most important moments this congregation will have in our generation. What stories will our children tell about this moment in 30 years? Precisely because I believe strongly that this is a pivotal moment, I'd also be lying if I told you it doesn't make me excited and nervous hopeful and afraid, optimistic and worried. It's important enough that I sent a pastoral appeal letter, and while I'm positive that everyone's read it by now, um, I have some printed in the narthex, backed on the table where the pledge cards happen to be, just in case it you know, accidentally slipped off the counter and into the trash can like sometimes happens at my house. But I, I wrote that letter to make an ambitious appeal that I do know that we can meet, to grow our giving by $2,000 a week. With the families we have, that's an average of $25 per household per week, and it's about $100 a month. I know not all of us are in a position to be able to do that, and I want you to know that God loves you, and I care deeply for you if you're in the position that your own finances mean that you have to consider decreasing your giving rather than increasing it. It's not about the money. Well, I also know that it's equally true that this congregation is particularly blessed. There are many families in this congregation who will be able to do substantially more than that. My family increased our giving. I invite you to join us because, because if all of us do what we can, I promise that we'll be shocked by what we can really accomplish when we write our chapter in this story that began with those fins. And I tell you in all sincerity, this really is not about the money but it's because as we stand here today as a community and a building handed down to us by the generations before, what this really is about is trusting that the generosity of spirit running like a red thread throughout the entire history of this congregation will sustain us now as it has since those Finns founded St. John, those Finns who welcomed a changing neighborhood, strangers who became friends and made a home with them here, And those Finns who built this building with their own hands and hearts, and this isn't about the money, it's about their story, it's about our story, it's about God's story, and interwoven into the narrative of faith that's lasted something like 140 years. Those Finns, their world ended too. They came to a strange land and found it bitterly cold enough that it felt bitterly cold enough to feel like home, and they left, that they left to find something better, and so, I guess some people just like to suffer. And this is the story that we're writing together these next weeks as we worked through the challenging issues, beginning with the adult forum about endowment this morning. And I urge you, please come to this session. Be part of what's happening right now. On June 25th, we'll have a congregational meeting. I urge you, come to the congregational meeting. Be part of what's happening now. It's going to be challenging, and people will reveal that they have feelings about things because a budget really isn't about money either when you get down to it. A budget is really a narrative of our priorities, a tool to support our sense of mission. It's a way to honor all the hearts, minds, time, talents, blood, sweat, and tears that got us here as we join with them to look into the future with our own sense of hopeful anticipation for what God is up to here at St. John. The Gospel today tells a story about community, too. Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, and the people standing outside grumbled to his disciples about how it looks for Jesus to be associating with those people. Jesus heard their grumbling and then spoke to those outside grumblers saying, "Look, people who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go learn what it means to when God says, "I desire mercy and not sacrifice." And you'll understand that I am not here for the righteous. I'm here for the sinners. And what the outside grumblers may not have understood is these words were for them, not the sinners inside. These outside grumblers were so caught up in what they knew was right that they couldn't recognize what was right, right in front of their eyes. This moment is amazing. When Jesus spoke to the outside grumblers, they became gathered with Jesus, too. These next few weeks, we'll hear all kinds of grumbling for this and against that, and people will speak their feelings, and this is good, because what we're doing here and now matters enough to fuss about. Wherever you see yourself in this story, remember that we're all gathered with Jesus. Be gentle to each other. Assume good intentions. Strive to be honest. Be honest. Be kind to each other because you're dealing with people God loves. Plus, you're going to have to sit next to him next week in church. Finally, the second half of the gospel tells two stories. First, the story of a man on his knees weeping before Jesus because his world just ended. His daughter died. And in his grief, he was willing to try literally anything. And if the stories about Jesus were to be believed, what did he have to lose? The second story is that of a woman whose world ended 12 years ago when she began hemorrhaging. Because she was bleeding, she was considered unclean, and people probably shunned her. Because she was bleeding, these last 12 years had been filled with hopes shattered, plans frustrated, life halted, because of the damnable way chronic pain and illness force everything in your life to just stop. What did she have to lose by touching Jesus' cloak if the stories about him were even remotely true? Father's story, the woman's story, both of these begin with suffering and grief. But in the end, joy and the hope of new life. Imagine what it will look like when this congregation joins together to to do everything it can in this moment. Imagine the joy we'll have as we gather with Jesus, knowing that we've made it through our challenging moment. And I have to tell you, I really don't know how this is going to go. I really don't. I'm as curious as everyone else. But what I do know is that I'm here for it because it's going to make one hell of a story. Amen.